This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. In this segment of Digging in the Dirt, my guest is Woody Tash. He makes his second visit here to Digging in the Dirt. I recommend going to the WPKN archives to hear our first conversation to get a more detailed look at what Woody is up to. Today, he is here to talk about the Slow Money Institute and Bitcoin's upcoming Zoom roundtable about their project called Call to Farms. Woody will be joined by a group of leading farmers and financiers for a roundtable discussion celebrating the print release of A Call to Farms, subtitled Some Thoughts on Food, Money, and Nonviolence in Honor of Wendell Berry. And it will be in tandem with the launch of the Bitcoin 2.0 website. Welcome, Woody. Thank you for having me. So Call to Farms, you know, it's a conversation about localism, nonviolence, and creating a peaceable economy, the website says. Yep. Tell, me, tell me a little bit about it. Oh, and need we say more? Come on. <laughs> well, you can flesh it out there because it's uh, that's right. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. Wendell Berry wrote a beautiful essay called "In In Distrust of Movements." <laughs> Just think about that for a second. In it, he he talks about awakening our imagination and the need for us all to act in a different way without labeling it something, without labeling it a movement, and not creating a big movement infrastructure and whatnot. And uh, he also wrote an essay in 1969 called Thoughts on Citizenship in Honor of Donald Pratt. And Donald Pratt had been a uh, University of Kentucky student who protested the war in Vietnam. Wendell was teaching there at the time. He got uh, Donald Pratt got arrested. And so he wrote a really moving essay about political protest and nonviolence and violence and whatnot. And uh, that was an extremely moving essay to me, both back then and still now. And so when the war in Ukraine um, started uh, and I had some of those initial sleepless nights, I found myself wanting to try to see if I could collect some of my thoughts on just how, how we could possibly, we the species, not, not we Ukrainians or we Americans or we Russians, just how we could be so stupid as to once again be like doing this and all of this so-called you know, nuclear sable rattling and all that. And the essay came out, and uh, the long and the short of it is it just sparked with a lot of people, which was, you know, heartening. Um, but, you know, the issues are so serious. It's kind of, um, you know, keeps me focused on the issues. We all started talking to each other in a, in a, with a new little burst of energy, and it caused me to um, organize this meeting on 9-11. Uh, it's an hour and a half. It's free. People are interested after they hear this, they just go to beatcoin.org. That is correct, Beat like the vegetable bitcoin.org and click on the call to farm stuff and just register. looks like we're going to have a nice crowd. We got a great panel of very interesting mix, as you indicated, of farmers and financiers and activists. Give us an example of a couple of them. Well, the most famous one, I guess, is Winona LaDuke, but everybody is really, we've got uh, Marco Evangelisti, who's a a Fulbright scholar, worked in high finance um, for quite a while at a high level is now thinking deeply about alternative economic action. Uh, Leslie Christian, who was the was a CEO of Portfolio 21 for many years now uh, with North Star Asset Management. Um, Roberto Meza, who's on the board of National Young Farmers Coalition. Anyway, people should check it out. Uh, every, each person is equally... Um, yeah, it's impressive. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's an impressive group. I was very heartened at how quickly everyone came together. 
And, and, you know, we just kind of uh, realized all of a sudden, wait, Zoom, wait, we can do this now. It doesn't, we don't have people have to get in airplanes. You know, we're all very tired of Zoom. On the other hand, for certain things, it's very useful. And this, hopefully this is one of those things because we're going to have people from all over the world on this call. And uh, it's nice to be able to convene people without people having to burn carbon or have any upfront costs. Absolutely. So. so how does it come to a call to farms and it's a conversation about localism, nonviolence. I mean, why choose this path above all others in achieving some change? Well, this is the ongoing question for, for those of us engaged in this work. Obviously, like a knee-jerk reaction, when you hear about local food, you could immediately say, oh, that's just an elitist thing for, you know, a few people who want to know their farmer and go to a farm-to-table restaurant or, or join a CSA. And there's some truth to that, but that, but it is definitely not the whole story. And what I've been seeing for the last dozen years is this kind of deeper impulse to connect with uh, local farms and re, uh, begin to build local food systems as a very deep structural change to the economy, like kind of like a no bullshit alternative to Copenhagen and Glasgow and whatever. Not, I shouldn't say an alternative to those things, but a complement right? We need all those things. We need to try to green our industrial systems to, to the extent possible and have, you know, global accountability for carbon and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of us feel that's not enough and we, we're not sure we want to hinge our entire future on the success of that kind of thing because, because the entities that are engaged in the network are large, complicated, completely conflicted with different incentives and various elements of corruption, both, both, you know, overt and implicit and indirect and whatnot. So, so I hope that just gives you a flag. I mean, I, I view the local work we're doing as deeply significant, potentially deeply significant. The only question is how do we engage enough people in it? And so that's what we're, prob we're just kind of probing around. Part of it is the conversation. Part of it is creating little opportunities that might turn into big opportunities. And that leads to the, the, the idea of Bitcoin, which is seeking to get a large number of international small donors to create a flow of capital that can get to the local groups that are doing 0% lending to farmers. And those local groups are nonprofit. The money, once it's invested, the, the money is invested. Most of the groups are operating on one person, one vote, like a co-op. People are donating anywhere from $250 to $50,000. A few million bucks has been invested this way so far in five different places. And there are some new groups in formation, Tel Aviv, Montana, et cetera. Uh, Tel Aviv is not in Montana. I said that fast. <laughs> I, I, I'm relying on the intelligence of your, of your listeners. Absolutely. <laughs> so, You're listening uh, to Woody Tashiv. He's got, um, he wrote an essay called Call to Farms, and it's now turned into this whole thing. It's a conversation <laughs> about localism, nonviolence, and creating a peaceable economy. It's going to be Sunday, September 11th, between 12 and 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it's free to register. It's worth dropping in. I will be there. I'm almost sure. God willing, the creek don't rise. What I'd like to do just to follow up my previous remark is to try to um, demonstrate, let's say, or, or at least share why I think local food is radical. Absolutely. And radically constructive and deep. I would uh, go for it. I would like to just read a few passages from Call to Farms to show you how I think about it. That's so, fine. These are a few random paragraphs out of an 18 page, you know long essay. Love to hear it. This is a call to farms. It is and is not a response. It is not a response to any one brigade's route, the military mind that mapped it, or the propaganda that is translating it into ideological talking points. 
It is a response to the forces that turned low these few brief millennia and lower these few brief centuries and lower yet these few brief decades, these few brief tweets, these few brief algorithmic breaths, these few brief ultra fast bursts of ones and zeros, the fertile crescent into the oil patch and amber waves of grain into food as a store of cheap shelf stable calories, food as fuel for internal combustion engines, food as industrial power. This is a call to farms because there is healing to be done. There is trust to be restored, mutuality to be rekindled, biodiversity to be valued, conviviality to be nurtured, carbon to be sequestered, bread to be broken, affection to be shared, humility to be cultivated. That's on your website, that quote. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the whole essay is available free on our website, and we are printing it, and that'll be available in two or three weeks. What impels us is not just the desire to know our local farmers, although knowing them is surely a good thing. What impels us is not just the desire for fresh, toxic-free food and carbon-rich soil, although these are surely goods of the highest order, too. What impels us is not just the desire to reduce the outsourcing of food production to corporations controlled by invisible shareholders, although enhancing local control of food and reducing the extent of our dependence on global supply chains is surely a worthy pursuit. What impels us is the deepest of suspicions that structural reform is needed and that it may never be possible from the top down. The question before us then is not only how we will mobilize to redress the immediate harm done by the current militarism and violence. The question is also how we will plant the seeds of a peaceable economy. There is no more fundamental place to start than with how we grow food, how we feed ourselves and one another, how we relate to and care for the land. I think you've uh, hit the nail on the head. You know, I have conversations with people in general. I, the other day, they released the fact that 18 million people now are growing food in their backyard. You know, it's a, it's exponentially growing because people are worried. People are nervous about the world situation, and they see and the gentler side of life is attractive. Uh, obviously, I agree. <laughs> and 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 actually, a follow on, a strategic follow on to that um, is something like this. Uh, often in these conversations, people bring up Victory Gardens during World War II, or during the Depression, during World War well, the Victory Gardens during World War II, people starting to grow their own food, and uh, lots of vegetables were grown by people, you know, uh, something like 50% of the vegetables consumed in the United States were grown by people in their own gardens um, during the war. So that's a thing. That is definitely a thing. In today's world, given how deep we are into consumerism and how deep we are into global supply chains and how how much of an emergency climate now is and all these all the other things that are that are happening now the idea of, of waiting for everybody to figure out to grow their own vegetables as a solution doesn't seem <laughs> satisfying to me it's a thing that's going to happen over time in varying degrees as people feel the the crunch in different ways but I think um, from an economic standpoint, there's a lot of power to working with small and medium-sized um, diversified organic farms. These are really masterful entrepreneurs. They're, they're providing so much value on so many different levels. You know, they're working on farms that might be a, from a few acres to a few hundred acres. And we want there to be millions of these farms all over the place. Mm -hmm. and, That's and, a good idea. 
Okay, enough said on that. You kind of got No, that. no, I think that's really an important aspect of what you're saying. I have friends yeah. that are farmers upstate New York. Their biggest, they can grow it. They yeah. Distribution's their problem. They can't get it out to the, the marketplace, you know, and, and it's controlled by corporate stores and corporate everything. And that's, where have, the, that's where the local piece comes in. It's, it's, a, it's also restoring this more regional distribution networks and different networks of, of purchasing, you know, much more locally. When you say local, it just means as local as possible. That could be regional, it could be state, it could be county, it could be right. Yeah, I just saw that, and just one little aside, there was an article about a woman in Puerto Rico who has PR produce, capital PR produce, and she's got a distribution system for the island. Now that's a little more manageable, an island, and it's been quite successful. People are getting their stuff to the place it has to go for it to be consumed. So yeah, there is right. ways of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. It's not rocket science. Oh, you know what? I never even finished that re the initial reference to Wendell Berry's distrust of movements because of the where I was trying to get uh, earlier was he makes a comment there saying that some people think this is revolutionary and some people think it's just common sense. And he kind of plays around with, well, what <laughs> is it? Well, it's kind of both because what we're saying, it's not rocket science. It isn't rocket science. But then when you get to the point where you say, well, we should be taking some of our money and using it in a way which is neither pure philanthropy nor pure investing. It's some way of putting it to work that does support meaningful economic activity at the local level, and that stays in for the benefit of the future. If you just put those two things together, one of the things you come up with are supporting you know, small and mid-sized organic farms and, and, the, and the local food distribution system. Thank you, Woody Tash. He's got his event that if you want to attend, it's called Call to Farms, a conversation about localism, nonviolence, and creating a peaceable economy. It's on Sunday, September 11th of this year at 12 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it doesn't cost anything to attend. I urge you to try to get out there and give a listen, you know, get involved. Thank you, Woody. Hey, thank you so much, Kevin. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. Thank you.